everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. Welcome to our new time, Mondays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central. And on Wednesdays, we're going to go at 12 p.m. Central. So that's our new schedule. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Tracy Siska, Executive Director of the Chicago Justice Project. I am also, oh, you can find out more about our uh, work at Chicago Justice Project at chicagojustice.org. If you want to get involved, cjpnation.org. That's our activism website. You can find out more about the projects we're involved in and ways for you to get involved. And you can find contact information up there as well. Okay, today we're going to cover John Cotanzaro, the FOP president's toxicity. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Nikita Brown walking her dog at North Avenue Beach. And we're not going to talk about it, about the brutality, even though there obviously is there and the ridiculousness of it. But just another example of how the police accountability system is broken. And then we're going to finish up with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's $500 a month program. If you're watching us on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, you can comment or ask questions at any of those platforms. And we will um, include them or try to include them in the show. Okay, our first segment today is the FOP president, John Cotanzara, being too toxic for local to firefighter, which is a firefighters union, um, it seems that want, doesn't want anything to do with him. So this is around trying to negotiate or get involved or get in. Um, I don't know what they're doing, but the FOP is trying to fight against the COVID uh, vaccine mandate in Chicago that all employees, city employees have it. Um, I'm not sure if they're just trying to extort more money from the city. Um, he certainly seems like an anti-vaxxer, so that wouldn't be surprising. Um, so basically, they held a meeting uh, with all the pol four police unions, and uh, the FOP being by far the largest, but the four police unions, and they included in this last meeting, which I think was Friday, was the local two president, Jim Tracy, and they're trying to include local two in the negotiations when they sit down with the city, which I think might be happening today. It didn't go well for Mr. Catanzaro. So we are going to go to that video. It runs about 3.56. I think it's really interesting, so I'm going to play the whole thing about how he responds. Um, and then we'll get into the context about Catanzaro and why this happened to him. So we'll be back on the other side. On to the COVID mandate. Um, we've been very clear that our goal was to include other unions in the city as partners in this fight, the natural first choice was Local 2. We had a strategy session this afternoon, a Zoom meeting with the four principal police unions, uh, and Local 2 was invited to participate in preparation for our negotiation session with the city on Monday morning. Uh, Local 2 did uh, log into the Zoom meeting and uh, I'm just going to tell you the facts of how this went down because I'm sure there's going to end up being different versions of it. But there were several witnesses on the Zoom call, so it can be verified. But the reality is this. Local 2 President Jim Tracy was on the call and he was asked to explain to the group what conversations Local 2 has had with the city about the vaccine mandate up until this point. He was very clear. Local 2, separate of everything else, and their associations with the CFL have had no conversations with the city, even though they've requested several meetings and negotiating sessions 
further bargaining rights. And at that point, we extended an offer. I extended an offer on behalf of the group for Local 2 to participate in Monday's conversations, giving them a seat at the table to address their concerns along with us. That uh, offer was refused by President Tracy. He said he did not want to get involved. Uh, I specifically am a loose cannon, and uh, Local 2 did not want to get involved in that. When I explained to him the dynamics that this was not about John Catanzaro, this is about the FOP, this is about the Sergeants, Lieutenants, and Captains Association as a united front against the city and to take a stand, um, he still said he didn't want to be part of it, that he had heard that I had said disparaging things about Local 2 during contract negotiations. So, regrettably, apparently, personal issues are getting put ahead of Local 2's membership needs, uh, but that's the way the conversation went down. He was excluded from the conversation at that point, and I'll leave it to Local 2 members to deal with that. The reason I'm telling you that story is because we did try and get a, a conglomerate, if you will, of unions involved in this. Unfortunately, many other unions in the city are cowards. They want to cave in and listen to what the city has to say and entertain the idea of a mandate. We will never entertain that idea of a mandate as a coalition, the four police unions. We are going to continue to fight it, including Monday morning. So before that gets to Monday, uh, you'll have another update on Monday. So this one's going to be pretty short. But the city put out a notice that the portal for vaccine information is now up and available. Let me be very clear. You are under no obligation to provide any vaccine information to the city, period. There is no requirement, no mandate, no obligation, or no duty to give the city or the police department any of your health information when it comes to the vaccine. That's where we're at right now. If that changes, we'll let you know. But if you give that information up, you are basically giving up the rights to your HIPAA-protected uh, information. There's nothing we can do once you tell the city what your vaccine status is. So keep that in mind. If you choose to do that, that's on you. Stay tuned for an update come Monday afternoon after we have our city uh, meeting, and I'll let you know what happened on that day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. So if you happen to notice the strange similarity in his language and his tone as the ideology comes out no doubt about it first of all let's talk though about jim tracy not wanting anything to do with john Contanzara. sound isn't about me you can't go in public and defend the insurrection which is what he's done you can't go in public and connect the vaccine mandate to the nazis can't do that. He should have had no respect from anyone in the city long, long ago. Long ago. It's just now what he's reaped, he is now sowing, right? That should have happened a long time ago. He's been incredible, not credible, toxic, ugly, an alt-writer since he got elected, since before he got elected. Remember, this guy has 50 complaints against him. And his defense when he was running about that for president 
was, well, they're mostly from internal, right? Not noticing the hypocrisy between being a guy who um, enforces laws and then he has a track record of not following the rules. How do you get that? I have no idea. Anyways, the local two wants nothing to do with them. Who wants to sit down side by side with him? All the other three police unions, they're in a pickle, but they should have negotiated separately from the FOP. They're much smaller, but they should, they should totally just push him out, ostracize him within the group. There's got to be consequences for your actions. Go on our website. Go to chicagojustice.org, look up the news site, type in Contanzara, 23-year history of misconduct, type it into Google. Um, do people still use Yahoo? Type it in any of those, drop it in, and you will find a story, his history of mis uh, misconduct, which is long and extensive, and you're going to find his history of what? His social media posts. He hates every minority group there is. Kanzara is sad. This should have happened a long time ago. It's hopefully the beginning of more of this, although soon enough with the police board trial that's going on, he's going to be probably out of a job. Um, he's certainly going to be fired from the department. I would think that's almost a certainty. Um, I just think it's hilarious that the, 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 fire un, the fire union is the first one to stand up and say, we want nothing to do with you. We're not sitting at a table with you. I think that's great. Okay, on to our next segment. Our next segment is about the Nikita Brown incident when she was walking her dog at like 1230 at night at North Avenue Beach and a cop was trying to get her off the beach because it's um, trespassing because the beaches are closed. Um, so we're going to um, watch a video about it taken by someone who I think was doing construction work there. Um, I'm going to give kudos. This video comes from the Chicago Sun Times. So they deserve credit for the video. I'm going to show it and I'm going to talk less about the brutality of the actual incident and more about this cop's history and why he's just another sign that the police accountability system is broken. Katanzar is the major one because he has 50 complaints. But if you look at others that we'll talk about after the video, they have these long histories of complaints and nothing ever happens to them. Um, Wait to hear what this guy did a few years back. Okay, so we're going to come back. It's 2.42. Um, it's got some audio for our podcast listeners. It's got some audio and some of it. There, um, there is an audio, um, but you can see the video on our website because we or on YouTube channel, Twitch, Twitter, um, and Facebook page. You can see the video anywhere from there. I think the video is very interesting um, because it just shows why there should be some other social service provider, social service, yeah, I guess social service provider that responds and isn't brutal and doesn't have a gun. So we'll be back. It's about 2.40, 2 minutes, 40 seconds, and then we'll be back on the other side. And go to jail. Yeah. That's fine. Make this an official incident. That's fine. Now understand this. Please don't, please respect my space. It's respect COVID. Space. Six feet. You do not have you. a mask on. I you don't do need a mask. I'm outside.
Okay, thanks. Thank you to the Sun Times for that video. Um, okay, so why do we need a thug guy with a gun with no patience to go try to shoot people off the beach? Why is that? Well, mainly it's because there is no other. There is no other, um, looking at comments that we got coming up. Yeah, the, the video came from, I think, a trucker doing work at the beach, uh, as best as I could tell. Toa Venica, Vecna, um, commenting about where the video came from. That's where I think the video came from, and I think that's um, a pretty safe. You can see the truck. Now, why do, we need, because why do we need a cop to show up to that scene and do that work? Because there's no one else to do it. That's just another incident that should have some kind of alternative response system set up. We don't need guys with guns doing it. Don't waste the cop's time. And there you go. He has an attitude issue. No patience, attitude issue. Listen to him or else that's it. Now... He has a long history. I'm going to get to your comment in a second, Thomas. Hold on one minute. He has a history of, of complaints, right? And I think he has, he has a history of complaints, a couple sustained. One of them, ladies and gentlemen, one of those complaints in 2008, off-duty in Tennessee, pointing a gun at someone during a domestic incident. He was arrested, multiple counts. He ended up, I think, with misdemeanor convictions in Tennessee, if I'm not wrong. Misdemeanors, you get to keep your job as an officer if you're convicted of misdemeanors. As long as the police accountability system doesn't fire you. There's no automatic firing. What happens? They suspend him for 20 days. 20 days, ladies and gentlemen. 20 days. This guy, and this was in 2008, 13 years ago. This guy should have never been on the job. How do you not fire a cop who illegally uses his weapon off-duty? Why does he have his gun in Tennessee? That's a whole nother issue. Okay, now on to the comment, Tom, uh, Thomas. There's no need for people to shoot people off the beach, period. Period is totally unconnected. Uh, it's a, a totally concocted non-crime crime. Yes, there's one issue that I would say with that. Part of the reason they're shooing people off the beach is they don't want to have to patrol them. So the force, the amount of officers you're using to drive up and down the beach is a lot less than they would need to actually patrol it to keep people safe. You can't have people on the beach and absolutely no security presence or people looking at what's going on at all. That creates unsafe environment, right, completely. Like, I, I now, we could argue they could build a... Um, a civilian force to do it, a non-police force, part of the park district, um, that could call police if something happens. I agree with you there. And um, I think that should be done. 
right? I think we should get, this is just another set of crimes, another set of activities around policing in Chicago that shouldn't be under the police at all, unless something actually goes down. Putting a cop in that interaction is a big problem. And you put a, a, a thug cop, one with a history of brutality and complaints and suspensions there, there is no need for that person to be there. He should have been off the force a long time ago, for sure. First of all, let's just start there. Um, but he certainly shouldn't be the person trying to get people off the beach. Um, it's just ridiculous. But this is, once again, ladies and gentlemen, failure of the system. Jason Van Dyke, 27 complaints before he shot um, and murdered Laquan McDonald. You look at, um, what's his name? Uh, Katanzara, 50 complaints. This guy, I forgot the number, but it's a lot. There certainly, we have to think about whether or not we need a external review of every officer that has a certain number of complaints. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 15, maybe it's five, uh, maybe over a short period of time. And they have to be reassessed about whether or not, or assessed, I should say, about whether or not they're fit for duty and to be still on the police department, period. And get out some of these guys that have been there forever that are just not fit for the gig. Um, obviously, our police accountability system hasn't been able to get rid of them. Okay, we're going to move on to our next segment. It's an article, but I just want to talk about it. But here, we're showing an article from the Tribune. Mayor Lori Lightfoot passes $500 monthly cash assistance for 5,000 Chicago households hit Hard hit by the pandemic. Okay. Hmm. Sounds okay. Sounds like a lot of money. But is it? Is it enough? Now, Lightfoot has soft-pedaled and, and miniaturized and done as little of these kind of progressive things as she possibly can. This isn't her jam. Her jam is to be the most centrist um, or slightly rightist uh, Democrat as humanly possible, um, which, you know, Joe Biden's coming in this week if he's not in this today in Chicago. Um, they're, they should be buds. Because, I mean, I, it's a harder, besides maybe Senator Cinema and um, Manchin, it's hard to find two more conservative Democrats. So that started. Let's look at the numbers real quick here, ladies and gentlemen. $500 per family per month to 5,000 families. That is six, um, $500 a month times each. So $6,000 per family a year, if she does it for a year, to 5,000 families. That's a lot of money, right? It seems like it is. Um, but is it really? Let's look at some context. If you don't have it reported with context, you could be fooled into thinking, wow, that's a massive, unprecedented amount of money. No. What does that amount to? $500 a month for 12 months to 5,000 families. It amounts to $30 million. Massive, right? Sounds good. But is it? The last numbers I could find quickly for tax increment financing money. Money collected through taxes that are rooted out of, or routed out of the city's main general budget 
general operating budget and put in the special fund for the mayor to corruptly dole out around the city as she likes. Check the South Loop, check the West Loop, check Fulton Market, and you can get, look at all the cranes up there and all the building, and almost all of that is subsidized in one way or the other by the city for no apparent reason, other than absolute corruption. How much does the city collect in that fund, you ask? In 2019, it was $928 million. Every time there's a tax increase, about 30% of the revenue generated by that tax increase goes into the TIF fund, and it's routed out of the general revenue fund. So the reason the tax increases are so large is the other 70%-ish of the city has to make up for that money that's getting routed into the TIF funds. Otherwise, the tax increases would be less. So $30 million for this fund that Lifefoot has. Right? $30 million. That makes up about three and a quarter percent of the $928 million. Now, I believe taxes have gone up the last couple of years in Chicago, or at least one of those years. So there's probably more than $928 million being routed every year. Plus, um, there's more money coming in now from that Lincoln Yards thing. So there's probably a lot more money than that three and a quarter percent. I mean, a lot more money than the $928 million. Wow, that $500 doesn't seem like so much anymore. Um, right? And also, it's interesting, Thomas Westergaard just posted a link to our FOIA for settlements and judgments. Yeah, we're trying to get help. Um, we want to... Um, hold on one second. Uh, um, we're trying to get help taking all the judgment settlements data and, and building a database um, so that people can track every month, going back to 2007, I think, is where we have the latest data, something like that. Um, so anyone wants to help us build that website, um, but we would like to do that. Um, and, you, and the reason he posted that, at least I, reason I think Tom posted that, and I think it's a great po great comment, is that Look at all the money the city pays out every month. We just paid out $20.3 million or 20 point, no, 20.5 last month to two guys and 300000 another police case that we know of. So it was $20.8 million in one month we paid out for civil judgments and settlements against the police department. One month, ladies and gentlemen. Almost the equivalent well, at least, what is that, two-thirds? 66% of the money Lightfoot has budgeted to give to poor families. Hardest hit. Wow, that $30 million doesn't seem like so much. Yeah, we have averaged something like $49 million in payouts for civil judgments and settlements since 2004. I think we got general data on that back to 2004. $49 million. So if you look at it that way, you could have a headline, Lightfoot, is going to give to poor, the 5,000 most poor families two-thirds, 60%, 60% of what the city spends annually on paying out civils and judgments for cops. Oopsies, 30 million don't seem like so much. And I'm not arguing against it. I am for a universal basic income. I think UBI is the way to do it. I think UBI, on top of all the benefits 
um, federal benefits that the poor get already, poor and underserved communities get already, is the way to jumpstart them um, and to way to um, revitalize those communities, give them money to spend. It'll go right back into the economy and it also re massively reduce crime and violence. So, 30 million, not so much. And thanks, Tom, for that. I am... Um, I am, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to use this. Um, I'm gonna use that in our marketing. Um, Tom, if you're interested and everyone else who's interested, go to cjpnation.org and go to projects, go on to the Police Settlement Transparency and Accountability Ordinance. Um, there is information, you can sign a petition to support the ordinance. We have a newer version. Um, I'm looking for some legal help um, to finish it, but we have a newer version coming out of that ordinance and we're gonna have it introduced hopefully by the Progressive Caucus. And it's about trans massive transparency around police settlements and judgments. Let me read one of uh, Tom's comments here. Yep, you got my gist. All right, good, I was correct. You would, what would be killers if you could, you, we, we could send a letter of property tax payers that tells them how much of their tax bill is for police misconduct? I agree with you. And I'll take it one step further. The corrupt city of Chicago, and Mayor Lightfoot has kept this in place, Cook County, uh, Cook County Clerk David Orr, and I, I, maybe Car Carol Yarberg now, I don't remember who's in that office right now, but I think that they have continued this process. Cook County Clerk Orr put on the tax bill how much money was going, getting put into TIFs. Because Chicago is home rule, they, Rahm over and Daly overruled that. They wouldn't allow that to happen. And I think Lightfoot has kept that. Lightfoot should allow because the city has their own taxing agent, right? Their taxing uh, tax office. They don't put that on the city's tax bills. It should be. And I agree with you, Tom. This should be also on the tax bill. Maybe we can, um, maybe that's something. Let me, let me think about that. And if you're interested, Tom, in maybe working on a campaign for that, Hit me up at uh, tsiska.chicagojustice.org or info chicagojustice.org with your email, and I'll, I'll get in touch. I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, okay. Thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming by at our new time. We'll be Wednesday, 12 p.m. Central, and then Friday at uh, back here at 9 a.m. Central. Thank you so much for tuning in and participating. Thanks, Tom, for your comments. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. I will see you on uh, Wednesday at uh, noon Central. Thank you.